0: Yeah, yeah. this is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN plus.
1: I'm taking my freedom pulling it off the shelf putting it on my chain it my neck. What really moves me is to freedom, watch and observe what's going shelf, on with the folks around me. It and chain. it's not that I can't bring be present but I find that I can actually make greater connection when I get understanding by watching what really motivates other people. I to go,
0: it take I'm Hi,
1: this is Brenda Russell-Williams Fly, with my life, GPS, and you are listening to Hush Loudly my life like at WGN.
0: Welcome to Hush Loudly podcast. I'm so happy to be sitting here with Ms. Brenda Williams. Brenda is the president and founder of Russell Williams Group. She has nearly 30 years of strategic planning, branding, and creative problem-solving experience that enables her to develop long-term strategic solutions to challenging business issues. Brenda created her consultancy based on the unique belief that strategy is human, And she and her team collaborate with executives to develop preemptive business strategies that are internalized and acted upon. Brenda also served 14 years prior at Leo Burnett, the global advertising agency, as founder of The Lab, a freestanding subsidiary specializing in brand consulting. And she also spent two and a half years at McKinsey & Company, an international management consultancy firm. Brenda, welcome
1: to Hush Loudly. Thank you, Jerry.
0: (laughs) This is so funny, I just have to say. So Brenda is my former boss and my favorite boss in the whole wide world. From every job I've had, she is it. She was inspiring. She was motivating. She grew her team. She loved her team. And I was most creative. I felt most appreciated, most valued working under her leadership. And so forgive me if I am oozing over her, (laughs) but I can't help it. So, Brenda, my first question to you is, are you an introvert?
1: Jerry, I think I'll leave it to the experts to decide that, (laughs) but I can tell you a little bit about my nature. I really enjoy my own company, and a lot of people would be surprised by that because I'm great on stage. I can corral a group of people. I like giving speeches, but what really motivates me is when I'm by myself and when I can hear my own voice. And when I can hear that calling that tells me what it is that I need to do next, I find that I'm the person who walks into a room, surveys the crowd, and says, you know, I think I'm going to go over to that corner (laughs) and kind of watch what's going on in here. And in fact, right before I came in, I was uh, across the street waiting for this interview to happen. And... You know, I just became aware of the fact that for me, what really moves me is to watch and watch and observe what's going on with the folks around me. And it's not that I can't be present, but I find that I can actually make greater connection when I get understanding by watching what really motivates other people.
0: Yeah, you're an introvert, girl. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So I want to talk about your... Organization, your nonprofit, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes, because it's empowering, it's encouraging, it's motivating young people by helping them understand who they are. But before we get there, I wanted to talk a little bit about your career. You've had a long, successful career in the corporate world, and as I mentioned before, uh, the management consultant company. And I would love for you to share a little of your journey. From maybe your 20s What you were doing And what led you here up into the lab
1: Wow Okay, I will need you to help me stay on track Mm -hmm. So coming out of college I realized I I grew up in Denver, Colorado I realized that I wanted A different kind of experience for myself So I remember saying After going to Atlanta On a trip with a friend I'm going to move to this place and i told my mother after i graduated i'm packing up my bicycle on top of my car and i'm moving to atlanta and she said who do you know there i said nobody do you have a job there no <laughs> but i feel like this is where i'm supposed to be and so i you know packed it all up and felt like i was going to get out there and make a mark like a lot of young people a lot of young people do but I walked out with a plan and I said, I am going to have a job in a week. I wasn't too much interested in meeting friends and all of that. That motivates a lot of people and that was a concern for my mom. But I did want to make sure that I had a, had a steady job so that I could pay for wherever it was that I was going to, to be living. I did that and, um, actually stumbled into McKinsey & Company, which most people do not do. Most people go to some fabulous Ivy League school like Harvard or Stanford, and they get recruited to be in one of the top international uh, management consultancies in the world. But for me, I went to a secretarial school because I said, I'm going to do anything necessary to be able to, to make it out here. And I went in there and I said, I'm going to take this typing test and see if I can just get in an organization so that while I'm trying to figure this all out, I'll have a job. And I took the typing test, uh, did my 40 words a minute, and the lady sat down and she interviewed me. And I find that that's been a really important part of my career because you can't tell necessarily on the outside what's going on on the inside if you don't ask the questions and she sat down and she talked to me uh, for a while and she said I want to take you somewhere and introduce you to some other people And she took me over to McKinsey & Company Mm. Right into Human Resources And she said I want you to meet Brenda Russell That was my name at the time I want you to meet Brenda Russell I think she'd be an asset to the firm They interviewed me And a week later I had a job at McKinsey & Company (laughs) A young African American girl From Denver, Colorado From the University of Colorado Who would ever think That I would land a job like that And that really sort of that set it off for me. At the time, I had no idea what McKinsey was about and, or any of that. But I did find myself inside an organization where I watched and observed behaviors of people I was not familiar with. And as the only African-American in the firm at the time, it was um, quite interesting to be in a culture where I really did feel I knew I was different. But it was okay. It was okay. And at McKinsey, what I was able to do, Jerry, is to create what I will call new rules for success. And I realized that the path that had been set for others inside that organization might not be the path for me. And to be able to really show what it was that I could bring to the table. So I created an entirely new operation inside of McKinsey and & Company. And it was through that experience that I realized that you could be an intrapreneur. Not an entrepreneur, but an intrapreneur. A person who could actually find a way to add value inside of an organization that could create and innovate new things that could add something new to the table and that you could be successful and that people didn't quite know what to call you and that you could actually get promoted really fast because you were on a trajectory that nobody else understood. So this kind of became a key of my success. So... After being at McKinsey for a couple of years, it's like most analysts, it's time to go to grad school. So I, I sent resumes and essays to Harvard and Stanford and Northwestern because that was the expectation at McKinsey. And, of course, I was told I would never get into any of those schools. And especially given my GMAT scores, which were horrible. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, they, okay. were, they were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So I got my rejection letters from Harvard and Stanford. But Northwestern said, there's something interesting about this lady, so we're going to interview her. Mm-hmm. Here we go again. Somebody's going to spend some time and ask me questions, because it didn't make sense that I was like, um I think I got 1B in all of my four years in college. I was working at McKinsey & Company. I got this horrible GMAT score, but there's something else going on with her. So Northwestern interviewed me, and I got accepted at Northwestern, which is how I got here to Chicago. I realized that I had actually done my job by getting accepted into Northwestern. I was not interested in getting an MBA, honestly. It was at that time I realized that I don't have to do things because other people think I should. I need to be compelled to do things that are right for me. And I actually quit B-School. But before I quit, I was able to land a really cool job at the Leo Burnett Company uh, and so,
0: and I want to, of course, jump to that because I didn't know all of this yes, McKenzie
1: story. Yeah.
0: So, okay, let's jump to Leo Burnett and how you created I know what you created, but why don't you explain how? That
1: right, happened. right. At, at Leo Burnett, I came in in the research department. I chose that because, and I really want to make this point, I actually intentionally chose research because I could have gone into account planning or any of those other areas in the organization because I thought I wouldn't have to travel as much to be honest and I also had a a keen understanding that this was the place where you got to to tap into human nature and to really understand what made people tick and I like that the idea of really getting deep and I think that's something that has is is also true to my nature I don't really care for chit-chat conversations, I like deep conversations, Mm -hmm. one-on-one, really getting to know people, whether it is about their kids, or in my case, Keebler Crackers, and really understanding why they love Keebler Crackers so much. So doing that, I remember the day that I interviewed, one of the interviewers asked me, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? And I said, oh, I'll have my own company. And I kind of sat back on my heels and I said, that might not have been the smartest thing to say, trying to get a job here at Leo Burnett. But the guy who ran the department remembered that. And an opportunity came up in Leo Burnett to create what they called a new product consultancy. And they needed somebody to run it. And he remembered that I said that I wanted to you know, to own my own company. So he brought me in and he sort of drew these pictures on a piece of paper. And he says, Hey, Brenda, you know, this is what I see. And it was like this big mess. It was all this web of a idea of a concept. It was totally ambiguous. And I didn't know what it meant and neither did he. But that's why I took the opportunity because nobody knew what it was. And I could kind of be able to put my own stamp on it and to create it into something that maybe would be new and of value to the agency. And thus the Idea Lab was born.
0: Do you have that framed? Didn't you have that?
1: I, I did. That not, okay. Did you see that, yes, that picture yes, that I mm-hmm. had, that diagram that he drew? I, mm-hmm. um, he'll never understand how much that really meant to me because I am a, a you know, I, I love ambiguity. And I realize that part of my strengths is to, to inspire clarity in really complex, with really complex situations. And so the fact that he didn't know what exactly it meant was great for me. So... I started the Idea Lab and also saw this as an opportunity to create a business practice, again, outside the traditional path that could lead to a new way of professional winning for myself. And I remember after... Being in this role for a couple of years and interfacing with key executives at top Fortune 500 companies, I was some, I don't know what the peon title was that I was <laughs> at the time, but I said, I got to at least be a vice president talking to these people, you know, and there was, there was no, um, there was no path for me. It the, the path had not been designed because as an entrepreneur, you're creating it as you go. Mm-hmm. And, I remember Fast Company coming to me and through the agency because the 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 practice became very you know pretty successful. And that's Fast Company magazine. Fast Company magazine Mm -hmm. and creating an article called "Twice the Career in Half the Time." Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's always been a motivator to figure out how to create and innovate in a way that is different from whatever the current structure is and to leave behind something my legacy being something that nobody else has ever done before and so i i did that created a very successful brand consultancy which you were part of and Thank you for all your contributions there. By the way, Jerry was trying to hide under my wings, by the way. She was very quietly sitting off to the side, and I said, there is something about that young lady. Well, I have to
0: interrupt and say, this is the weirdest interview I've ever had for a job. (laughs) So I had interviewed with HR and got past HR, and then I had the interview with Brenda Williams, the potential boss. She comes in, sits down, and she says, who are you? So I say my name and then she said, tell me who you are. And I said, personally or professionally. And she said, whatever you want to tell me. And I don't remember what I told her, but I told her she stood up and she pointed and she said, there's something special about you. And she walked out of the room. That was my interview. (laughs) And I, I got hired. So, you know, from the very beginning, obviously, and you can hear from this interview, Brenda is different (laughs) and goes on her feelings and is reflective and introspective and all of these things that introverts are. Okay, so let me go back to your story
1: about the lab. Yeah, I do want to add one more thing to that. I rarely ever read a person's resume before I hire them. HR does all that, and they Mm -hmm. figure out that you've got the right qualifications. And so the reason I didn't ask you about your resume is because I figured they'd done the initial test. Okay. But the number one question to me, for all of us to be able to answer in our life, is who are you? And that's where people really get stumped, and a lot of people focus on what they do. What you do is not who you are. And for anyone who can take the time to address that question and you must have done that, Jerry, <laughs> and um and, and passed that test, that's somebody I wanna I wanna be part of my team. Because I think that's the deepest of thinking that you have that a person can do to be able to really ponder that question. It's not so important to me that you can answer it is that you're willing to ponder it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so important, which really leads to where I am now with my GPS, to be honest. I realize after helping companies for many years figure out who they were and what their standing should be out in the marketplace, there might be an opportunity for... Me to focus and again, listening introspectively to that little voice calling saying, It's time for you to do more than just, you know, think about your paycheck. There's contributions that you can be making out in society. And we have children out here who are lost. And and i was been doing a lot of reading around kids, you know, with anxiety issues or committing suicide or children really not feeling empowered and not having a strong sense of themselves. And I thought, you know what, I've been doing 30 years of helping companies position themselves so that they have a positive face and a positive voice out there in the marketplace. What if I took that personal and helped our children be able to feel better about who they were, to create an internal compass for themselves that would guide them in their life, so that they make better choices. Because at the end of the day, that's what the companies were doing. Once mm-hmm. you decide what your strategic voice is, that just it helps guide you to make better choices. And so, thus, my GPS, my guided personal story, was born, and. I find myself now working with the future leaders of our society and helping them think about what they value, what makes them remarkable, what image do they want to portray out there in the world, what are their hopes and dreams, and helping them to understand that no matter what it is they think they might do, there's a contribution even greater than that that they can make in the society and that's why we need to have them here that is why they matter and it amazes me every day and fulfills me every day to see the kids go from not talking very much about who they are to being able to stand up in their own truth proudly and be able to say to the world this is who i am and this is why i matter
0: and I wonder, so I know about your organization, about the junior introverts, and I wonder if there's anything that you can see with them and how you're touching them mm-hmm. and, and able to push them forward and empower them.
1: Yes. It's so interesting because I have teachers and administrators come to me and say, we have never heard him say anything. <laughs> and my God. So they're surprised. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea that all this was going on. And, and I go back, if you really think about our conversation, I go back to the beginning, which is, well, nobody's asking the questions. Mm. And that's what it's really all about. And I think when you're dealing with the young, the junior introvert, it's going and one-on-one sitting down and getting a little bit deeper, looking into their eyes and creating a space where they feel like they're not going to be judged. And when you ask the question, you know, what are your gifts and talents or what do you think makes you really stand out? And you affirm that and they look at you and they're like, you like that? You like you like mm-hmm. what you're hearing? Mm-hmm. And you're interested. You hear them. And you hear them. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, you see them. Mm -hmm. And it's like for once in my life, somebody's really paying attention to me. And they can see that all these things that I've been holding back, I actually can do them. And then when they learn that I don't necessarily consider myself shy, but I do do see myself as I sort of step back a little bit. I'm not a great self-promoter. That's why this interview is a little strange <laughs> for me, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not much about around self promotion, but I also know that, that deep inside me that there are gifts and I let them know that I had the same kinds of struggles that they have. And just like a, like when you water a, a wilted flower and for some of these kids, you put that water on them, the right touch, all of a sudden they blossom into something that surprises everybody. And, um, yeah, that that makes what what we're doing with my GPS really quite rewarding, but more importantly, for kids to be able to walk out and when it's time to do that essay, understand that there are important parts of your story that the world should know, and don't be shy, don't be afraid, be confident, and tell people you know uh, who you are, and and to see them do it is is
0: great. I think you told me about something they do with a can. I don't, I hope I'm not giving away any strategies, but what is it that they, everybody takes something and
1: personalizes
0: it? Right. What is it that they do? Well,
1: so here's what I have come to understand. When, you know, you ask a person, who are you? Very few people can just say, like, this is who I am. But if we use things like art and music and, uh, design, people can express who they are through Mm -hmm. other worlds and so that's how my gps actually works so it begins by us exploring art and having young people talk about what you know what piece of art actually touches them and why and then i ask the question well is there something about that piece of art that you see in yourself and they're like well yeah because whatever it is that we like Whatever it is that we attend, you know, that we put our attention to is actually saying something about ourselves. And when we talk about other things, we actually talk about them in some pretty compelling ways. And to ask young people, and can you think of yourself in the same way you thought about that piece of art or that song that you like? Well, yeah. Well, what an interesting way to talk about yourself that is totally different from the way others are talking about themselves out there. But in terms of the can uh, exercise that you were asking me about, I actually ask them to design, sometimes it's their own sneaker or their own soda. And this soda can take on any characteristics that you want. But what you really need to know is that the world's been waiting for it. And what we need to know is why. Mm. And so they'll create these wonderful uh, new sodas with these interesting names that have all of these fabulous features that do all of these magnificent things, including keep us alive until we're 200 or whatever (laughs) they come up with. And they start telling these stories with such confidence. And we're. You know, we we affirm and and applaud the creation of this thing, but what they learn is that they have put themselves in those creations, Mm -hmm. and the same way that they can talk about and feel about something that they've created, they can feel that way about themselves as well. So it's an unfolding, and by the time we get to the end, so we do a lot of stuff with art and music and all of that, that's what makes it fun, so it's highly interactive, at the end, then we start to ask the question, now let's talk about you. And what we've done is we've given them a fluency, a new lexicon, a new way of thinking that can apply to them, that can also apply to them. And I have to tell you, the um, the essays and the interviews that these young people will do out in corporate America are going to be very different from the ones that the typical person may bring into into the room. Because we're helping them know that the thing that really separates you out there is your story mm, and wow. people want to know your story that's
0: amazing every time i hear this yes and and how long can we get a little bit into gps my gps so how long is it is it what kind of curriculum is it where is it uh, how can we help you grow it well, well, what do you need
1: from us it's a, it's a 10 week um it's a 10 week program and there are cases in which we can design You know, something custom designed something for an organization that is GPS oriented. In fact, we've been working with college interns this past summer. So it's a 10 week program that I have just taken 30 years of work in brand consulting and actually developed a curriculum that is based on the social emotional learning objectives for the state of Illinois. Hmm. So every exercise I do, I can let you know exactly what social-emotional learning objective we're tapping into. We are in schools. Right now we're we're at Walter Payton College Prep. We work with kids as young as eighth grade. We have moved on now to high school. And I actually um, am interested in doing uh, more and more college work. In terms of growth. It's a, it's a, it's a tough thing in the education space because there is a very specific and structured way about going about teaching. And what I'm finding is that our biggest struggle right now is that There's a lot of emphasis on STEM education. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a lot of emphasis on STEM and there's a lot of money being directed at STEM education, you know, as the science and the math and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to get people to understand is that we are a supporter of STEM because we focus on the root. And so if you're really helping people build a strong foundation by developing their emotional, those social emotional elements and developing their character, the STEM will flourish. And I think there is, we're we're at a stage right now where this has been an uh, uphill battle, where educators are starting to understand this more and more. Obviously, you can have a great scientist and a great mathematician but if that person doesn't have that emotional compass that they need to help direct them through their life, what difference does it make? Mm. What difference does it make? Because life is going to give you a lot of challenges, Mm -hmm. and your algorithm might not solve some of the everyday (laughs) things that you're having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that we're preparing young people with their own personal compass so that they can say yes to some things, they can say no to other things that are not on course for what they have in mind for their lives.
0: So I'm sure that everyone's listening can see why I say this was my favorite boss of all time. She is amazing. Thank you, Brenda Williams, for sharing your story, letting us into your life, and sharing my GPS with children, hopefully, forever, from now until forever. Uh, so, thank you for being a guest today. Thank you, Jerry. I'm taking my freedom, pulling it off the show. Check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash introverts hush loudly and listen to past episodes at WGN radio.com or hush loudly.com.